Eric would have been glad to have him as their guest preacher. Dr. Gene Gerganus, missionary to Bangladesh for so many years. And when you heard about him, what he had done by the grace of God, and especially so many things he had gone through for the cause of Christ, I mean, it was like everybody would want to be a missionary like Gene Gerganus. And I don't remember what he preached. It's a long time ago, probably 40 years or so ago, more than that. Okay, I don't remember what he preached, but I remember what he said before he preached. He said, I want to sing a song before I preach. And he said, it is the best way I know how to express my years of service for the Lord. And he sang this song. It's a slow song. It's not a long song. It's a really simple song. It's the kind of song that you, you can learn real fast, and you will never forget the words. Just think of this veteran godly missionary singing these words. It'll be a blessing, okay? <clears throat> by and by, when I look at his face, beautiful face, thorn-shadowed face, by and by, when I look on his face, I wish I had given him more, more, so much more, more of my life than I ever gave before. By and by, when I look on his face, I wish I had given him more. By and by, when he holds out his hands, welcoming hands, nail-riven hands, by and by, when he holds out his hands, I wish I had given him more, more, so much more, more of my love than I've ever before. By and by, when he holds out his hands, I wish I had given him more. Amen. Just a couple things before I introduce the speaker today. Don't forget the international banquet. For those who didn't bring any food, don't feel bad. We have plenty over there. We can have everybody come. We want you to come and, and partake uh, with us in that international dinner. Also, at the end of the service, we will be having love offerings for the missionary each, each of the services today. Um, so ushers, if you don't mind clearing out some plates for that at the end of the service today. But today we have Brother David Bennett. He is uh, with Silent Word Ministries, but I'll let him tell you more about that. But this is one of the men from Ambassador that came through and preached that impressed me the most uh, in all of my years while I was there at Ambassador Baptist College. And uh, I had always had in my head if I ever get a chance to be a missionary or to be a pastor, I'm going to have this man into my church. And so, Brother Bennett, if you don't mind coming this morning. Thank you so much, Pastor. Let me give my introduction this way. We have been married 46 years as of yesterday. This is my wonderful, beautiful wife, Vicki, of 46 years. We met at Tennessee Temple in the 70s. God has given us 10 children. We have 16 grandchildren so far, with three more to be born this year, which will put us, if you're a mathematician, 16 plus 3 equals 19. And God has blessed our family tremendously. We've been missionaries since 1979. Hillsdale Baptist Church was one of our supporting churches for many, many years. And Gene Gerganis got us our first support and a personal friend until he, literally, he was a friend just up until the end. He just passed away not too long ago. It's amazing to, to hear his name all the way out here. 
that man was faithful. He was a plotter, very faithful. We need missionaries like that. Much to say. Thank you to, to you here at the church already. Pastor Shirk, thank you for inviting me, for inviting us. It's a blessing to be here. It's a blessing to, to hear your choir, to hear the songs. We feel, as missionaries, let me back up just a second. As missionaries, we travel churches, a lot of places, and have a lot of churches that support us. But one statement that, get, that keeps coming up when we're talking with other missionaries who their pastors have changed through the years, their churches have changed. And one of the things that we talk about is we've got all these supporting churches, but how many of, uh, how many of those churches would we want to be a member of? I haven't been here very long, but I could probably say pretty safely, this is one we would actually think about it being a member of because most of our churches nowadays have changed and it's really, really tough. Those who want to serve God with all their heart, mind, and soul without entertainment, without a show, are fewer and fewer. We've enjoyed our fellowship with you. Uh, Jim and Tanya picked us up, and we appreciate them doing that. And our fellowship with them just in a few minutes was wonderful. Last night we were with Daniel and Joy and had a great time. And we're hoping to be able to spend some time with some of the rest of you this week. Because we're going to be here all week, whether you like it or not. <laughs> if you're visiting, please stay for the banquet. I can say that because I'm staying for the banquet and I'm visiting. <laughs> I mean, this is my first time here. I'm going to stay. I like to eat. And international food is great, so please come, stay. As, as most of our churches, our international banquets are, there's so much food left over. So please help us with it today after the service. I did appreciate the, the emphasis on an unreached people group, the Arab Yemens or Yemen Arabic people. I do want to bring this out because he, he point, Pastor pointed out that they have the major language of Arabic, but then they have their own specific language to their specific tribe and people, the Taizi, let me get that last word, Adeni, Taizi Adeni language. And he said that they probably, because they speak Arabic, use the Arabic Bible, but that's not their mother tongue. This other language that was written up there, Taizia Deni, is their mother tongue. And I don't think he showed us any statistics there from the Joshua Project, but the, what's that? Just portions, bits and pieces, let's call it, of the Bible in that language. And every people group on this earth needs to have the Bible in their mother tongue, their heart language. People need the Lord. We represent Silent Word Ministries International, which is a mission that focuses on deaf people and those now with special needs. Just a few years ago, we started... Because of my travels around the world, getting into places, I'm looking for deaf people, and I start to see people with special needs, and I look around and say, who is reaching those with special needs? And it's like, where are they? They're, they're not there. Very few reaching the deaf, and even fewer reaching those with special needs. So I started going to people who work with special needs in the USA and saying, do you know missionaries that work with special needs on foreign fields? And the answer was, mm, we can't think of any. We can't think of any. People need the Lord. Whether they're deaf, special needs, Yemeni people, Filipino people, Indian people, of all tribes, nations, 
tongues, cultures, ethnic groups, they need the Lord. With deaf people, they speak another language. So you have to learn their language. You just don't a Bible and say, here, read this. In fact, you don't just pull out tracts out of your pocket and give it to a deaf person and say, here, read this. Because 90% of them aren't going to be able to read it and understand it. They need the gospel in their language, which requires that if you work with deaf people, you're going to have to learn sign language. But then again, someone asked constantly, we get this question, they'll ask, well, is sign language universal? And the answer to that is, no, there are hundreds of sign languages around the world. Just in India alone, if you go to the city of Chennai, there are five major sign languages used in the one city. Turn your Bible to Matthew 28, please. Great Commission, passage you know, it's okay. You need to hear it again, Peter says, over and over again. We need to be reminded of these things because we forget too easily. While you're turning there and before I go on, let me just say, would you go to the first slide, please? Go to the second slide then. Okay. On the back table, right outside that door, is a little table that has brochures on it. These brochures don't tell you about our mission. We have a prayer card. We do want you to pick up a prayer card because we need prayer. But... These brochures are challenges for missions. When I was a kid, I heard this story. This parable of the orange trees was written 80 years ago or so. And when I came back from Brazil, I found out that it was out of print. So I wrote the people, got all the necessary permissions because when I was 8 and 10, years old, this impacted my life as a boy. You fathers need to make sure that you get these, and I would suggest you get them all and read one in your devotional time to your kids and talk about the challenges that are in these. One's called The Parable of the Orange Trees. Another one is called Ready and Unashamed. I'll probably tell part of the story that's in this today, Ready and Unashamed. In fact... Yeah, there we go. Thank you. That's the third slide? Wow. Okay. There's another one called A Parable of the Fishless Fisherman. It talks about a man who, who went out and he caught two fish. And because he caught two fish, everybody in the fisherman's club considered him a great fisherman. Because everybody in the fisherman's club talked about fishing, but nobody did it anymore. Think about that one. We talk about soul winning, but no one does it anymore. That may challenge you. The other one's a poetic parable that is inspired by Amy Carmichael's uh, writing when she wrote on her, the, Thy brother's blood crieth. Very potent poem about people walking and going off a cliff into a Christless eternity. All Christians are sitting under trees, weaving daisy chains. I do have another one here, Why Take Missions Trips. You fathers need to read this and get your kids on missions trips and plan on them. If they're not old enough, you think, for a missions trip and you can't take them, you plan on it down the road. In fact, I talk to kids sometimes 10 and 12 years of age and say, when you get 16, make sure your dad calls me because I'm going to take you on a missions trip if he'll let me at 16. Now, I say that to some pretty sharp kids. There's nothing like a missions trip. 
Would you stand, please? Matthew chapter 28. I'm not asking you to stand out of respect to the Word of God because we can respect it just as much sitting down. I just don't want you to go to sleep too fast. <laughs> I might put you to sleep. Matthew chapter 28, beginning the reading in verse 18. And the title of my message, and I rarely give a message a title. I just don't normally do that. But I did today, unashamed of the great commissioner. Unashamed. Pastor touched on it in Sunday school just real briefly. Are we ashamed of Jesus? And Jesus came. Oh, I have the I have the screener, don't I? Does it work? Let's see how I if it goes. Just a minute, where is it? Right there. I just put this PowerPoint together so I've got to learn how to use it. <laughs> Matthew 28. But I even though I have it up there, I still prefer that you look in your Bible and read it. This is the word of God. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. He who has all power, he who sits on the throne of heaven, he who has authority over heaven and earth and over you and what, what your life is to look like, where you're to go, where you're to live it, what you're to do, he says, go ye therefore with his command, with his authority, his power, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, hallelujah, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Father in heaven, as we look at this and spend more time on the application of it this morning, may you speak to hearts, speak to boys, speak to girls. Oh God, speak to fathers, speak to mothers. Speak to single men, married. Speak to all of us. Speak to those who have just recently retired and want to be used more by you. Lord, you know who that is and what that means for them. Give me wisdom as I speak. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going the wrong way here. Unashamed of the Great Commissioner. In China, they still have underground churches. There is some freedom in some places of China. Other places, not so much. Oftentimes, in the persecuted churches, in the bigger cities normally, they will meet at different times. This one specific church meets every Friday night at midnight. The people come in, they sit on the floor. I've been to China, I've been in an underground church, I've seen them sit on the floor. They come in little by little, one by one, two by two, over a large period of time. I've been there, I've watched it happen. In fact, at the end of that day, I don't normally talk about this, at the end of that day, there was a knock on the door after... I had preached for two hours to this underground church. They peeked through the hole, and when they saw who was there, they immediately sent me and two other men that were with me back to a back bedroom. There was really no place to hide. They were going to find us if they wanted to find us. Someone came in and questioned them for an hour. They told them that I had been there, but I had already left. They told them why I was there to teach them international sign language. 
that wasn't exactly the truth. After an hour or so, the man left with a big warning to them never to have foreigners in their apartment again, and they brought us out. We enjoyed a nice meal. We preached again. And when it was time to leave, this was a church of deaf people in China, all university students. Some had graduated, others had not yet. They, they sent them out two by two with their cell phones. Two of them went to that corner, two went to the middle of the block, two went to that corner, two more went to the middle of that block, two more at that corner, middle of the block, two more at that corner, all around, and they started sending messages back to the apartment of where any authorities were being seen. At a given signal, they rushed, two others went over and got a taxi to be ready. The taxi came in very quickly to the back door. They ran us down the steps, 17 floors, fast as we could go, jumped into the taxi, and they got us out of there. That's I wasn't, I wasn't afraid for me, I was more afraid for them because what could have happened to them would be a lot worse than probably what they would have done to me. But at this one specific church at midnight, Friday nights, when they walk in, they don't sing out loud. They start with this question. What are your wounds for Christ this week? What are your wounds for Christ this week? Are you willing, were you willing this week to stand for Christ, to stand for the great commissioner, to be a representative, an ambassador of Jesus Christ? Every week they start their service with that question. What are your wounds for Christ this week? I've never been in an American church where they even ask the question. Not even in one service. Let me get this right here. Okay, I think I'm going the right way. But before I do, go back to the passage. All power, all authority comes from the throne of God himself to Jesus Christ the Son. It's given unto me, he says, Jesus says, all power and authority in all of heaven and in all of earth. Yes, there are other authorities. There are demonic authorities and powers, principalities and so forth, rulers of darkness, high places. There are human powers, human authorities. But Christ's authority supersedes any authority that the USSR, that Russia, that Putin, that China, that any ruler in all of history ever had. We march at his beat, the beat of his drum. We march, we fight in the name of Jesus Christ. He is our great commissioner. We have a great commission because there's a great commissioner. It's his power and his authority that sends us. We don't go because we feel like it. We don't go because the pastor thinks we should. We don't go because the, the message was emotional and stirred us. Though I'm not against emotions and getting stirred. The word of God should stir us. The Holy Spirit should stir us. Truth should stir us. We go at the beat of the drum of our great commissioner at his command. Before I tell this story, actually... This story I, I plan to leave till last. We, we had been in Brazil for 12 years. We were getting ready to start a new church. 
And this new church was going to be a church for deaf people. We knew American Sign Language, but we didn't know Brazilian Sign Language. So we had to start learning Brazilian Sign Language. And we, there was no course, no class for us to take. So I had to go find deaf people in Sao Paulo, Brazil, make friends with these deaf people as best as I could. We start out by pulling out three by five cards and writing and hope they can read well enough to understand. We had been there long enough to know the language. So I have to find deaf people. I have to start affiliating, associating with them, having them in my home, going to their home, standing with them out on the street, in restaurants, wherever it might be. I have to be with them to learn their language because there's no language school for that. So, we had just come back for our third term of service in Brazil. Our goal was start the deaf church. I'm a fiery type of guy. I'm a pioneer spirit. I'm going to go do this. God had sent me ever since I was a boy. Six years old, my heart was given to missions. Probably even in my mother's womb, to be honest with you, probably... I could repeat Jeremiah's story. Missions, missionary, that's all I ever dreamed about. That was my burden, that was my heart. My heart cried every time I saw slides, every time I saw a people group that needed Christ. I wanted to go to the Amazon and reach people for Jesus Christ. People that had never heard before. God changed that through the years, sent us to Sao Paulo, gave us a burden for the deaf. So this is the day. I had seen deaf people downtown Sao Paulo, and I knew that if I went down there and looked long enough, I would find more of them. So I do. There's this one public square. It's huge. And thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of people come there to buy arts and crafts from people who sell their, their wares, their arts and crafts, on the street. Some of those people are deaf. Some fantastic artist so I go down there and I'm walking through thousands and thousands of people looking for deaf and I can tell they're deaf because they're usually using sign language which means you have to have two of them together because one by themselves you're going to walk right by and miss because they look just like you and me I'm walking around and I remember I came around the corner and I saw two deaf men talking to each other in sign language. Thought, this is it. This is my contact. So I stood there, my heart's beating out of my chest. Because this is the tribe I've been sent to. And as I watched them sign, I realized very quickly, I don't know anything they're saying. Now, my wife and I were sort of like top-notch interpreters, preachers in sign language here in the U.S. before we left here. Well, when we got to Brazil the first term, obviously we didn't speak Portuguese, so now we're back to less than kindergarten because we didn't even know John 1.1 or Genesis 1.1 or John 3.16 in Portuguese. We couldn't even say, hello, where's the bathroom? We had to go to language school for that. We're in our third term. We now speak Portuguese, but I'm just realizing this sign language is totally, 100% different. And there's two men standing right there, and I've got to go talk to them and build a relationship, learn their sign language so I can win them to Christ and others. So I stood there with my heart beating out of my chest, like this is it. And the longer I stood there and watched them, the scareder and the scareder, is that a word? More scared. More scared. The more scareder, I mean the more scared I got, became. I stood there for 30 minutes praying, oh God, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? Finally, I said, oh Lord, I got to do this. I got to go. So 
Okay, so they're standing there, but now I'm going to move them over here so, for my, so I don't have to walk back there. They're now standing here, and I decide I'm going to walk straight at them and go up and try American Sign Language, and they're not going to understand, but it's going to break the ice, right? So this is what I do. I've been watching this for 30 minutes, waiting to go talk to them. Lord, help. Lord, help me. Oh, help me, Lord. I walked right by them. I was scared. How am I going to talk to them? I don't speak their language. They don't speak mine. I came over here. I sat down on a curb. I was embarrassed. I'm thinking to myself, oh God, you sent me to Brazil to reach deaf people for Christ. I walked right by them. God, I need help. Oh God, I need help. Being a missionary is not easy. Just ask your pastor to tell about their first week in Kalimpong, India. See how easy that first week was. It's not easy. You think speaking in your own mother tongue about Christ is hard? Try it in another one that you don't even know. And you're going to have to learn and stumble your way through it to try to tell them about the creator, the savior of the world, and all he did for us. You can't express it all because you don't speak it well, or not at all in this case. I stayed there about 15, 20 minutes. I finally persuaded myself, I've got to do this. So I get up off the curve. I walk right at him once again, and I'm going to talk to him. I am, I am later. I'm serious, folks. I didn't feel like a missionary right then. I don't tell this story very often because it embarrasses me. I'm a missionary. I got churches, Hillsdale Baptist Church, supporting us. What would they say if they knew that their missionary couldn't do it? I sat down on the curb probably for 30 or 40 minutes or more. I'm, I'm emotional with God. Say, oh God, what am I going to do? I can't, I can't even stop and talk to them. It's so hard. I don't understand the word they're saying. I can get out my three by five card. I can write and I will. I, I did later. But I struggled. I'm a missionary. I grew up in a Christian home. My parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, my great-greats and great-great-greats, they're all pastors here in the States, missionaries, all the way back to 200 years earlier when they came from England as missionaries to be circuit-riding preachers in Canada. I've got a heritage behind me, and here I am. I am trembling. How am I going to tell them? I finally said to myself, self, You've got two choices. You either go and start this conversation or you go back to America. Just go back to America. I can't do that. God's called me here. The great commissioner has sent me in his authority and his power to come to reach people for Christ. I prayed. Oh, man, did I pray. Finally, I got up. I got over a little closer. And I sat down again. And I decided I was just going to stare at them. Deaf people are kind of used to that. People stare at them like, what are you doing? What is that? And they feel funny. But they see it. They're used to it, don't like it, but used to it. I'll stare at them. That'd get their attention. I stared at them. So the two guys are here talking. And 
you know, in their talking, the one guy is selling paintings. The other guy is just a friend who had came and talked to him. They're looking around as they're talking. One of them noticed me right over there staring. He says, he puts his hand up so I can't see it. And he tells the other guy, look over there. They're staring at us, that guy right there, staring at us. And he said, I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. We're both going to stare at him. <laughs> That's exactly what they did. One, two, three. They both looked over it and just stared at me. That's really not the way I planned it. Because I planned coming to Brazil, just going to them, sitting down, having a meal, using some broken sign language, understanding a little bit, and moving on. No, this was a lot harder than that. They started staring at me. And when they did, I asked this most stupid question in the world. Are you deaf? <laughs> Except that I didn't say, are you I just pointed at him. I said, you, deaf? They looked at me and they said, deaf, yes. Not in their heads. I got up, I went over, got out my three by five cards. We started communicating. I stayed several hours that day learning my first Brazilian Portuguese sign language. That was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. And it wasn't the first time. I skipped the first time it ever happened. We have been sent to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Mark 16, 15. Evangelize. People need the Lord. You've heard the song, right? Maybe you've even sung it before. If you've been in a choir, you've probably sung that one too. We know it. But how many people around you, how many people who live near you, how many people you work with know the Christ that you say you claim and know? Because they've heard it from your lips right here in America. Forget language barriers. And I know how hard it is for me still at times to open my mouth here. That's one of the reasons you're supposed to carry gospel tracts. You know what these are? You got any here at this church? Where would we find them? Right back there? Yeah, I got all kinds. I've got some really good ones. I mean, if you don't like this one, then I'll give you this one. If you don't like this one, I'll give you this one. This one will get some of your attention. Whoa, where'd it go? What do you think of that one, Eli? Here, let me give you that one. That one's cool. You can read that later. Um, I mean, if you play golf, I got one for you. If you're a woman, I got one for you. I got several for you. If you're a soldier, I got one for you. If you've got cancer, I got one for you. Uh, if you're a deadbeat, I got one for you. No, I'm, I'm, I'm teasing. <laughs> you see, you know the nice thing about a, a gospel tracts is you don't have to say much. Whether you're at a restaurant or at a gas station or you meet someone in a grocery store, all you have to do, come here, buddy. I, want, I need you right here. Yeah, come here. Let's say he's, he's working at a grocery store. Come right here. Stand right there. And I'm going through and I'm going to, and he's going to bag my groceries. See, all I have to do with the gospel track is all I have to do is give it to him and run. I don't even have to say anything, except, would you please take this? Thank you very much. And, and off the gospel, thank you. Wait a minute. I'm going to give you one. I'm going to give you this one. I'm 
King Charles was just put on the throne recently, and we got a gospel track with him too. It calls a lot of attention still right now. But when's the last time you spoke to someone about their soul, about Christ? I had two men with me last week in Florida. They were from Oklahoma City, Southwest. And we were in a restaurant together, and I started a conversation with the waitress. Came to find out that she was a saved lady and talked about her family. She has a burden for her family. But then on the way out, one of the managers, well, before we went out, one of the managers came by to check on our table. I talked to him, got him in a conversation briefly. On the way out, I found him, gave him tracks too, left her four or five, gave him three, and he hugged me. These two guys that were with me were like, on the way out, he said, I've never seen that happen before. He just wrote me yesterday and told me about his trip back to Oklahoma City and how because of our example, he was able to witness to somebody for a long time on, on the trip back here from, from Orlando. Because the example spoke to his heart. He saw someone actually witnessing to people who need Christ. Now, obviously, that one woman, the first one, I didn't know she might be a Christian when I started talking to her. This, the man, the manager, I doubt he was a Christian, but I don't know. I didn't get that far with him. Just communicated very briefly. He was working, was in the kitchen. I went in the kitchen, and he gave me a hug. Took the tracks, thanked me. When's the last time you spoke up for Christ? Now that's a tough question, but there was that tougher one just a little while ago. What are your wounds for Christ this week? You know why we don't go on visitation? Because we're afraid someone will slam the door in our face. No, be honest. That's the reason why some of you don't go. You're scared. That's Oak, right? But if you will stand and be courageous for God, he will help you when you get there. He'll put the words in your mouth. Jesus even told his very disciples, don't worry about what to say when you go, the Holy Spirit will give you what to say. How many times have some of us been out on visitation, but before we went, we were scared to go that day. We, we found 39 reasons why not to go that day. But we went anyway, because we got to do it. It's our duty as Christians. We got to obey our great commissioner, our great commander. And when it was all over, we're like, Whoa, that was great. Man, that, that was a wonderful day. I'm so glad I went. Anybody ever experienced that? Oh, yeah, I have many times. I didn't really want to go. It was too hot, too cold. I didn't feel well that day. Didn't sleep real well last night. And all these other excuses... You have visitation, right? When is it? Friday, what time? Friday, 7 p.m. I'm not going to ask him right now how many come. I have no clue how many come. I'd like to think that there'd be a lot. Living for Jesus, we sing that song. But how many of us stand up, stand up? For Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner. It must not suffer loss. And yet, we dare not say a word for Christ because they might look at us cross-eyed if we do. 
or worse, actually persecute us. Whereas at this church in China, they expected some kind of persecution every week. They expected it. And they shared their testimonies to start their Friday night, midnight service every week. Did I just turn this off? Can I turn this off? Are you ashamed of Christ? Did I turn this off? <laughs> What's that? Did I? Yeah. So it's on. Will it turn? Let me. All right, thank you. Okay. Let me tell the story of Alexander now. Alexander the Great was one of the greatest generals of all time. He became a general when his father, Philip of Macedon, died. Alexander was 20 years of age when he took over the army, took over the kingdom. He expanded it all the way to India, from India all the way this way. We're in Greece, down to Egypt and in Africa. Alexander the Great was a short guy, very stocky. They say he was good looking. He had one blue eye and one dark, dark eye, which made him look threatening. Very strong of character. Nobody questioned Alexander the Great, even at 20. His word was law. Well, they expanded and fought and fought and won battles and won territories as they moved eastward towards India. And in one specific battle, there was a 17-year-old boy who fled the battlefield. Some of his superiors saw him head off in a certain direction. When the war was over, that battle, that specific battle was over, he sent out a squadron of men to look for that 17-year-old soldier. They found him in a cave, shaking. For whatever reason, something in that specific battle scared him to the point where he fled, ran away, hid in a cave. They found him. They brought him back to, the, to, to their commander, who then sent him to Alexander the Great. The boy stood there in front of Alexander the Great with his knees knocking, scared to death because this was almost certainly death. He had left the scene of the battle. You don't do that. Alexander the Great never sent his soldiers into the battle. He always led them into battle. He was the first one always. And they followed this courageous general named Alexander the Great. So he hated cowardice. Couldn't stand cowards. Everyone knew what was going to happen to this 17-year-old boy. He stood there trembling, not knowing when he would die or how he might die, but it was pretty certain that he would for what he did in fleeing the battlefield. Alexander the Great looked at him. The guy was built well, and of all things... He had one blue eye and one dark eye, just like Alexander had. He's looking him over. He finally says, son, what's your name? And the boy with a trembling voice says, uh, 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 my, my. My name is Alexander. Alexander, all of a sudden his eyes pop open. It's like, what did you say? 
What's your name? Uh, my name's Alexander, sir. Say that again. What is your name? My name's Alexander, sir. Thinking that maybe he hadn't heard him, he had heard him. And Alexander said these words. Son, change your ways or change your name. This general didn't want someone claiming his name, having the same name. That was going to be a coward. How many of you are Christians? Raise your hand. Change your ways or change your name. You're a what? Christian. The great commissioner, the great commander has sent us into all the world to preach the gospel. And we go and hide? Where are you on Friday night? Better yet, where are you on Monday morning, Monday afternoon, Monday night, Tuesday morning, Tuesday night, Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday where are you? You have a track rack right back there? The, how often do, do they have to fill that track rack? Here's my guess. If you're like the normal church, not often enough. They don't have to or, uh, fill it back up often enough. See, these aren't supposed to stay in your purse or your pocket. We're supposed to give them out. That's one way of evangelism. But people need for you to give them this. Gospel tracts, a testimony, show that you care, show that you love them, and give them the gospel. You say, well, I'm not, a, I'm not a type A personality. Go ye all personality type A and teach the nations baptizing them. I don't read that. I understand it's harder if you're type B or C or D or E. No excuses. The commission has been given to us. The commission has been given to this church. The commission has been given to you. Are you a Christian? Are you a disciple? Would you claim to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? This was given to disciples. A disciple is one who follows the teachings and life of his mentor. Romans 1, 15 and 16. I'm going to finish here in just a, about four or five minutes. Paul says, So as much as in me is... With all my might, all my strength, all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my feelings, all my emotions, all my will, everything that is within me, I am ready to preach the gospel. Are you ready to preach the gospel? One of these brochures that I suggest you pick up on that back table is called Ready and Unashamed. I trust it will challenge you even more. For I am not. Can you, can you say that? Or do you have to leave out the N-O-T when you read that? Not ashamed. 
gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto their salvation. To everyone that believeth. To the hearing first and also to the deaf. To the Jew first, also to the Greek. To Jerusalem first and also to Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Oh, by the way, I've noticed, can't help but notice, because I travel all over the world. I absolutely love mixing with international people. I, I don't know anything. I, I just love it. You know, some people look American. Some people don't look typical American. When you wear a kilt, it's not typical. <laughs> but I love him anyway. <laughs> I would never, ever ask about their manlyhood. <laughs> but other people don't look like typical Americans. I love international churches and international flavors. I travel everywhere. Nobody will ever be able to say that David Bennett was a racist, ever, because my closest friends are Indians and Africans, and I just love them all, because Jesus loved them all. Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in his sight. But somehow we just, we struggle to take the gospel. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. A young pastor in Zimbabwe, this was probably close to 100 years ago, when he died a martyr's death for giving the gospel to his own people in Zimbabwe, Africa. They found in his possessions a handwritten note, and it said this, and this is just the first slide of about eight paragraphs, short ones. He said, before he died, for Christ, my pace is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven. My road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions few, my guide reliable, my mission clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred. Can you be deterred? Lured away, turned back, diluted or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice. I will not hesitate in the presence of adversity. Negotiate at the table of the enemy. I will not ponder at the pool of popularity or meander in the maze of mediocrity. Whoops. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must go until heaven returns. Give until I drop. Preach until all know, and work until he comes. And when he comes to get his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. My colors will be clear. In other words, he holds his banner high. Everyone knows who's he following. The banner of the cross. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed, he ends his writing with that note. Sometime later, he lays his life down as a memorial fellowship of the unashamed. He stood, though he lost his life for Christ. Are you willing to lay your life down for Christ. Are you willing to be a part of the fellowship of the unashamed? Let's bow our heads and pray. Oh God in heaven.
Thank you for this time this morning. Lord, my point has been one. We have been commanded, yea, commissioned to go under your power, under your authority. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Great Commissioner, the Great Commander. Lord, it's one thing to say that we love you with all our heart, mind, and soul. Strength. It's another to take up our cross, follow Christ, deny ourselves, lay our lives on the altar of sacrifice, and to go no matter what the cost, to tell people about Christ, to disciple the nations. Oh God, we need workers, we need laborers, we need them right here in this Jerusalem, we need them right here in this Judea. Around us, a multicultural Judea. We need them in Samaria. We need them in the uttermost parts of the earth. Oh God, would you raise up laborers from Harvest Hills Baptist Church who would labor in the fields here preparing themselves or preparing their children or preparing others in the church to go to the harvest fields beyond, to the uttermost parts of the earth, follow their great commander. Lord, help those who claim the name of Christ to live the life of Christ, who came to give his life a ransom for us all, who came to seek and to save those which were lost. Lord, I pray that this church might become an evangelistic church more than ever before. I don't know its past. I don't know really much about its present either. What I do know is Oklahoma City is lost in going to hell. And people here in Yukon and the surrounding areas need Christ. Help us to take a stand for Christ even if there are wounds, even if it leaves scars, even if it hurts here on earth. Please, O oh Lord, please raise up laborers here who would have a burden for missions, a burden for Jerusalem missions, Judea missions, Samaria missions, uttermost missions, deaf missions, special needs missions. With our Heads bowed, our eyes closed. I'm going to ask the pianist to play. If God spoke into your heart, would you either kneel in your place or if you have the habit here to come up front, kneel at the altar or kneel at a pew or even sit on the front pew and say, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to make this decision for Christ. Because if you're ashamed to make this decision for Christ, I'll guarantee you, you'll walk out those doors ashamed to speak for Christ. If God's spoken to your heart in any way, would you come and pray and kneel? Ask God to help you. Some are coming. If you don't need to come, I'm glad. Praise God, you don't need to. But if you need to come, now's the time. Be bold in an invitation so that you can be bold to go out and give the invitation yourself to others for Christ. blessed find rest when you're all on the altar is laid do you need to come one more verse it's God speaking to you I'm not begging you 
just giving you an opportunity to respond to what the Holy Spirit may have spoken to you about. We're going to have one more verse. God's still speaking as a parent. share with you guys my heart. <clears throat> Honestly, 99% of us needed that message. We are guilty. We have sinned. Great Commission is a command, is it not? Just as much as a command to don't commit fornication, to not steal. We're guilty. All of us have done less than we could have to get the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think of the words of Paul when he said, so for some have not the gospel of Christ, I speak this to your shame. It is our shame that the gospel is not going out from this church like it should. I don't want you to feel guilty. I don't want you to feel that shame, but the only solution to that problem is not to make you feel good about yourself. The only solution to that problem is for us to not be ashamed to give the gospel of Jesus Christ to people who need to hear it, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then we can stand before our Savior face to face and not be ashamed of him. That is us. This is our number one need at this church. And God must break you. If you are sitting in hardness now, shame on you. And I do pray that you walk out those doors in shame. If that is you. If that is your heart. Jesus Christ deserves better. He deserves more from us.